Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing today? Doing quite well, Scott. How are you? I'm doing outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. We, we had a wonderful green show or a pre-show conversation yeah. with our guests. Big show here today. Oh, and the most important thing, we're talking about beer. <laughs> That's right. Good cold beer during these really hot days. No so speaking of, Greg, since you kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit, big show today as we dive into an innovative relationship between a, a shipper and a 3PL, 4PL fueled forward by Turvo's high-powered, highly collaborative cloud technology. Two leaders and organizations we're featuring here today. Well, Greg, they set out to break supply chain norms, disrupt the status quo, reimagine the supply chain, and ultimately create a new blueprint for repeatable, repeatable financial success. Good show, huh? Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I misinterpreted leaders. I thought you meant since we were talking about beers, you meant leaders, not leaders. <laughs> Sorry. Like growlers, yeah, or I had it in my head, but yes, clearly, yeah, you're going to hear from some folks who have been there and done that as a team. And I love it when we have these stories where we get to talk about, you know, the challenges they were facing and how they attacked them and solved them, and and just a little bit that Clint shared with us before we kicked off. You guys don't get to hear all that was uh, fascinating. So he's going to share more of that uh, along with Matt here in just a minute. That's right. But I'll let you formally and introduce them after I appreciate some housekeeping. Yes, a little bit of housekeeping. And of course, the Clint, Greg, that you mentioned, uh, Clint Graflin from SDC is joined by Matt Zimmer from Zenogistics that we'll bring on in just a second. But folks, we're going to hear from Matt and Clint, a lot of good stuff, but we want to hear from you as well. We got a jam-packed show here today. Kevin, good to see you. Kevin and Adam, a dear old friend there. Kendall is tuned in. Our buddy Josh Goody tuned in from Seattle. Jonathan from Louisiana and John Peterson, once again, from Marietta, Georgia, oh, and a lot more. I was just at Moxie Burger. Dad it. Really? Yep. Yeah. We'll have to. It's been a tight we'll schedule, to... as you know, for the last couple of weeks. Scott. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of burgers and good food, we may, we may just start there uh, in a second, but. Or food like it. Or food like it. That's right. So are you ready? We're ready to bring on our two featured guests here today. With no further ado, I want to welcome in Matt Zimmer, President of Zengistics, and Clint Graflin, Vice President of Operations for Stone Distributing Company. Hey, hey, Matt, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? Wonderful. Great to see you. And Clint, how are you doing, sir? Outstanding. Wonderful, wonderful. And we weren't lying. We really enjoyed that pre-show conversation, yeah. getting to know a little bit more because y'all have incredible an incredible story that we're going to uh, unpack a lot of today, aren't, aren't we, Greg? Yeah, I think the first thing we need to unpack is, you know, Stone Distributing, also known as SDC, does not distribute stone. They distribute beer. <laughs> Good beer. One of the beers are called Stone, but it's still beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good cold beer. Right. It is not gravel. That's right. We're going to talk supply chain and beer with two innovators. So yep. I want to start, though, before we get into y'all's story, Clint and Matt, before we get into your story. I want to have, start with a little fun warm-up question because today is National Hot Dog Day. So, and let all the people celebrate as we have parades and the like. So, I'm going to ask you both. And, Matt, I'm going to start with you because uh, Clint's answer might be a little bit different. So, Matt, what is the perfect hot dog and where do you get it? I mean, I got two young kids, so a plain hot dog goes down pretty quick. But a uh, little bit of brown mustard, sauerkraut. Um, when I lived in Toronto, they had pretty good street vendors that had the hot dogs there. So if I could probably go pick one, I would. I just got back from New York City. We passed a thousand hot dog guys, passed on them all. Didn't have one this weekend, but uh, that's where I go. A little bit of brown mustard, sauerkraut. Toronto sounds pretty good. Oh, Matt, making us hungry. Folks, and before I go to Clinton Greg with this question, we want to hear from you. Where do you get what's on your perfect hot dog and where do you get it? So let us know. All right. So, Clint, as I mentioned, uh, your answer may be a little bit different. What? Where do you get your perfect hot dog? I So I don't eat a lot of hot dogs. 
um, if I'm being honest. Uh, but when I do, it's typically grabbing one at Costco. Mm. Um, uh, hot mustard and onions on those. Uh, but yeah, in terms of hot dogs, that's probably uh, probably as, um, as good as it gets for me. So Clint, Amanda, and I both agree with you. I bet Greg does too. Amanda says, I can't leave Costco without that $1.50 hot dog and drink. They are the best. All right, so Greg. One of our favorites is already out there with what Clint shared. What, where do you get the perfect hot dog? I think it's funny, Matt, that you mentioned that because I was thinking New York street vendors. I love those that onion sauce that they put on the dog mm. with mustard. And I can't even remember what else, but mostly just mustard and the onion sauce. Oh, and, and relish. So you get sweet mm. relish and onions together with mustard. It is just, it's unbelievable. But I love anything hot dogs. Costco is right up there. Mustard and, and relish. Yeah, I'm going to steal your thunder, Greg. I got to steal your thunder. You've made all three of y'all may be hungry, even the simple Costco dog, but relish, coleslaw, mustard, Tabasco, right? And you get it on at the turn at the golf club. That is always like one of the best hot dogs you ever eat. You know, even if it's been in there rolling around for like three three weeks, it's still good. And let me uh, just add to a couple. That's right. You're starving because you've had a couple beers already, right? Eric says Costco hot dog with ketchup and mustard. Eric, I'm with you on the mustard side, not so much on the ketchup side. Wellington says McAllen, Texas. We'll have to find out about that. Uh, John says cheese dog from Brandy's world famous hot dogs. So that (laughs) is that good? Legendary. It's this dumpy little shack by the railroad tracks, literally still there in Marietta. And man, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. So now we're going to have a next, one of our next shows is going to be on location at Brandy's. Yes. If if trains are going by while we're eating hot dogs, then that makes it a supply chain show. That's right. We can fit it in all in. And of course, with a delicious cold stone brew. Yeah. All right. So we're going to dive in Clint and Matt, as we we tease on the front and y'all have got an outstanding story that I think folks are going to take a lot from this conversation. They're going to be inspired. They're going to be, uh, emboldened to 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 think differently, right? Uh, with with um, based on y'all's relationship and and the outcomes. So I want to start with level setting just a little bit, so folks can kind of view things in context. So to that end, Clint, tell us a little more about SDC. Okay, so SDC, uh, we're a premium beverage wholesaler in Southern California. We were established in 1999 by the founders of Stone Brewing, uh, Greg Cook and Steve Wagner. Since then, we've grown to become the largest distributor of independent craft beverages in the country. Some brands you might recognize, Stone Brewing, Coronado Brewing, Pizza Port, Juneshine, uh, Russian River. We have around 400 team members. Uh, We service roughly 12,000 accounts uh, in both the on and the off-premise. We service an area stretching from Santa Barbara in California down to the border with Mexico and as far east as like Palm Springs or uh, Big Bear. Mm. Uh, We deliver around 6 million cases a year. A beer, uh, out of two roughly thousand, two roughly hundred thousand square foot facilities. We have one here in San Marcos, where I'm at today, in North County, San Diego, and we have another um, in Downey, which is in Southeast Los Angeles County. Six million, six million cases of beer, and I love that what I found on y'all's website, which y'all should venture over, folks. You've been taking care of beer like no one else since 1996. Uh, track record of doing it. All right, so now that we've level set on the SDC side, Matt. Tell us more about Zengistics. Yeah. I mean, I'll first with a quick snippet about myself. I used to kind of call myself a non-freight guy that runs a freight company. And right. uh, we've kind of evolved a little bit from that lately. Part of that is, you know, that's not good for either side, myself or, or the company. So we've really pivoted. And now kind of how I describe Zengistics is we're a technology company that moves freight. Mm. Um, we use what we consider managed services or transportation as a service offering where we come in and we usually take, you know, in many cases, 100% of a company's inbound or outbound freight. There's no doubt we do spot, we do RFQ for smaller pieces, but our bread and butter is kind of that, you know, taking over an entire piece of business that we consider managed services. And then what we're doing inside of that is consolidating loads, route optimization, figuring out ways not only to control costs on the freight line, but being able to move up into the SGNA and the indirect spend by being able to take over some of their planning resources to be able to align those, those shipments better. And then through a lot of our data and analytics, we've actually been able to find that we can actually help customers grow revenue mm. through different innovation around how we're thinking about total cost of ownership, uh, return on investment from where they want to possibly put a new co-pack or distribution. So really, mm. we're kind of this non-asset 
technology company. No doubt we're moving freight, trying to decommoditize the commodities, we kind of call it. We are owned by a billion dollar asset trucking company, although we are run independently. I think we've done some really cool things around how an asset and a non-asset can play together and kind of transform the space. But uh, technology really built around Turvo um, is what we've done. Our intellectual properties, we have about 20 different software applications API'd around Turvo that I think gives us the leverage and the consistency to move forward. Love that. And and as, as we're going to get more into uh, y'all's partnership and the big things that's done and led to has been powered uh, by Turvo. And so we'll have some resources from the Turvo team as part of our conversation here today. And by the way, Matt, I love that technology company that moves freight, delivering peace of mind. Yep. All right. So Greg, now uh, anything you want to add? And now that we've gotten some valuable context, world needs more context, in my opinion, at least. Now that Clint and Matt kind of shared a little more about what they have done and what they do, Anything that you think is really important as we move into their uh, the story? Yeah, well, I'm just going to tease it a little bit because we've heard a little bit about the story. And I think, uh, you know, mostly what I want to hear is this challenge that they faced together and how they solved it both with and without technology was a really interesting part of our discussion pre-show. So I'd love to jump into that. Can we just jump into that? We are. That's exactly where we're going next. It's like you're reading my mind or something. So it's like I'm reading the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> As we start to understand, keeping it real here, right? As we start to understand this powerful partnership we've been touting here uh, for the first few minutes that's been built between your organizations and with the Turbo team, I want to start with Clint. You wanted to build something that had never been built before. So walk us through that process a little bit. Sure. So when I was working with Stone Brewing, this was about five years ago, um, the freight management was a really big spend for us. And it was also a really critical component of what we did. Stone, like a lot of, uh, you know, kind of independent craft brewers, move a lot of uh, kind of multi-stop full truckload. Um, and it was really challenging for us to really kind of understand the how are we doing. So kind of at 30,000 feet, we wanted to get out of the load building business, having people huddled around Excel and trying to build these loads that were, uh, were coming our way. Um, and also, we really needed to find a way to better understand or measure how we were doing. So, you know, beyond just accessorials and fuel, we wanted to look at the whole picture. Um, at the time, Stone and still does uh, manufacturers on two coasts. So you're hitting 50 states. Where should we be manufacturing it? How often should we ask our distributors to place order? We were kind of in a made-to-order situation mm. uh, with all of our distributors, uh, brew to a forecast and, and produce to, to order. So there were, I had a lot of ideas and thoughts on how we could get this done. There was enough predictability in my mind in the model that we could do a lot better um, than we did, but there just didn't seem to be any carriers that I spoke with that really had uh, the ability to, or the willingness to kind of lean into that with us. Mm. Mm -hmm. Greg, what, what, what stood out there? And before we get Matt to, to comment, what stood out there as Clint shared, as he set out and to build it really execute on his bold vision? I think the, the complexity of it is what's really notable right? You're brewing on two coasts and shipping, I mean, really very close to the coast. You said Richmond, correct? And LA, yep. San Diego. So very near the coast. So there's a big gap in between those two areas and the challenges of that are, are monumental, right? Mm. So I think that's something you have to acknowledge is that it, the incredible complexity of, of covering a country from the coast. All right, so Matt, I'm going to bring you in here. Before, I'm going to ask you in just a second about how you came up with the plan, but anything you want to comment on as Clint was kind of laying that out the front end? Anything you want to comment on really quick, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing is, and where Clint and I, I think, hit it off right off the bat was, you know, he was looking to go do something different. That's kind of how we think about our business, right? I mean, mm. 15,000 people can move freight, right? There's 15,000 freight, how many, whatever you want to call it. There's many right. of them, right? It's actually how do you go solve the most complex problems, right? And and Clint's problem, sure, it was part about moving freight, but it was also the data side of it, um, the understanding of that. I think a, a very important piece that's often missed is, you know, I consider myself an operator, right? What, what is the information that operations is getting to go work with sales? Right. Like, you know, it's always like, well, my sales guys are have these order cadence, these order patterns. I have no way to convince them. Well, you can convince them through data and you can convince them through other ways of doing that. And so part of it was, is just the willingness on both sides to go try to go do something that, as we said before, hadn't been done in that way before. And the willingness to go throw everything at it from, as Greg said, both a technical and a non-technical way was really critical. But it's, it's how do you solve problems and not just how do you move freight? Yes. All right. So I'm going to dive a little deeper there. 
So both of you, as y'all describing results-driven supply chain veterans, so you, you paint this picture. You go lock yourself, and maybe your team's in a room. You get you have a few eureka moments, maybe a, a few spirited debates and discussions, and you draw up this new supply chain plan. Matt, how does that happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I tell this story all the time. Uh, you know, Clint and I sat down, and we were in a room, and I think we walked out with, you know, probably Zenogistics agreeing to probably 12 or 15 different things that I knew how to do about two of them. I'm mm -hmm. honest with you. <laughs> and, and so, you know, came back into logistics and we shut the door with the team and I said, okay, we got to go figure out these other 13. Like, right. and it was almost all built around the technology side of it. Let me be really clear. It was, it's all the data and the analytics side. The cost per case equivalent is, is Clint is referring to on a multi-stop. You can just imagine uh, one pick, three drop to three different states, right? You have different pallets on the last leg versus the first one. So, how are you applying the miles versus the dimensions in a true cost versus how a lot of people did that before? How are you building real-time visibility where they can see that in real time? How is that pivotable? How can you look at assessorials, take out fuel? Oh, by the way, let's be really clear. You got to go deliver at 98, 99% fill rate um, mm. and through the rest of it. And so it, it was really kind, but, but that's where the, the team is in logistics. This is where I'm really proud of the group that we have are really good at doing this kind of stuff. We want to go solve the most complex things and try to go do things that haven't really been thought of before, but really it had to start with the, the analytics suite that we kind of build around that. Yep. And then once we had the data, then it was just a constant back and forth between us and stone around what does the data mean? And more importantly, how do we actually go drive the result that we're looking for? Obviously, we're doing this to drive down cost, to drive right. up service. And so how are we actually applying this to it? It's great that you have a number in front of you. What are we going to go do about it? What Are we going to go change minimum pallet quantities per distributor? I claim in the green room said it. Maybe we stop shipping a special release to Montana because it doesn't make any viable financial sense to go make that happen. Those were all conversations that we had that started coming out of the data side of it. Matt, I love that. And and uh, Greg, I'm going to get you to weigh in after we hear from Clint. And really, but really quick, Clint, before I get you to, to comment here on how this happened to the audience, as you hear Clint and Matt talk about doing things different, doing things bold, you know, challenging long-held assumptions, looking for smart business, driving down those costs, as Matt talked about, and raising those service levels, tell us what resonates with you. You know, whether you're in the beer industry or not, tell us what you can identify with. So Clint, from your perspective, how does all this happen? As Matt described, a lot of the, you know, going into the the war room and, and having those discussions. What, what's the missing piece that you'd like to share? Well, I mean, I think for us, it really started with the X's and O's, um, the capabilities of building trust, and I think that's where we started with logistics. As you know, we do need to get the freight carried. We know we need to get picked up on time. You know, we need you know we need competitive pricing, and and they they did a great job with that piece. And as we kind of sat down and said, okay, you know, we talked about doing this. Let's let's kind of lean into it. I just threw everything but the kitchen sink at Matt about I'd like to see this. I'd like to see this at this clip. Um, I'd like a dedicated team. You know, here's what we need to do and here's what it should look like when we pivot. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, kind of taking this in bite-sized chunks and started kind of watching it uh, kind of progress. Stone made a lot of decisions operationally based on on what we were able to, to kind of put together. An example would be shipping to Colorado, for example, out of the, the East Coast. Um, intuitively, you might think West Coast is the way to go there. Mm. Uh, but looking at the data and the way this tool looks saying, hey, we can stop at these other two, you know, distributors on the way and then service uh, Colorado out of uh, Richmond, which was actually less expensive at the time for us to manufacture beer. We were making real decisions based on this data. And that's what we needed. I think Matt touched on it is not only convincing sales, but the operations team as well. Hey, we should be brewing this here. And, you know, these folks should be ordering every other week, not every week. And really kind of using the data that this uh, kind of program put together to make decisions. So we were in a room multiple times talking about, okay, here's what the data is telling us and interpreting it together. So, you know, in short, it was, we were looking more for like a thought partner than just an execution partner. It was really kind of fun to look at data that we, neither of us had ever looked at before in that way. And then start to make decisions on it and build cases internally at Stone uh, to make decisions. I'm so glad you mentioned that. And Greg, I'm gonna get your comment, but you know, you got to have the data to look at the data. And we're going to get to that in a minute about uh, where that came from. But Greg, as you, we heard from Matt and Clint talk about these powerful conversations that led to big actions and big outcomes, what stands out to you? Yeah, two things. The metrics driven is critical and not common. You know, in my past, I dealt with a lot of wine and spirits and beer distributors, and it's kind of a Wild West show with a lot of those 
companies, even some of the really, really big ones. And to see what Clint even was conceiving, you can see where it wasn't in, in the industry because some of the older players, they used to take the benefit of the doubt from not having data, not just with mm. their customers, but with those revenuers. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, you think about a company started in 1999, they're much, they have much less of that legacy and much more of the eyesight towards the modern way of doing business. And uh, a lot of old distributors and brands are coming around to that. But, you know, this is really, I think it's hard to overstate how different this is than, you know, the traditional big beer or even craft beer industry. So the metrics is one. And I think the partnership of getting together and solving the problems together, presenting them, and then each of you respectively locking yourselves and your people in a room to figure out what the other has asked for or offered and how, how you can adapt to that. I think that is a really, really powerful statement for how to create a good partnership. And, you know, you, right. you, again, you all didn't get to see this, but you, you will hear these two can kind of finish one another's sentences. So, I mean, it really has worked like that. And that is the kind of relationship that you want to have. Gone are the days of trying to hide everything from your vendors, if that's what you want to call them, or, you know, or your suppliers to, to sharing that information um, and ca- both of you capitalizing on it. So true. Quick comment from John Peterson. The biggest challenge is not getting the data. Is taking that data, it isn't getting the data, it's taking that data and turning it into something useful. Love how they basically clean sheeted this and created something powerful. I'm with you, John. Um, all right, so Matt, I want to shift over to you. I want to talk about, you know, we've mentioned Turbo and, and how that helped enable what you are describing here. So let's talk about the critical selection process. So what were some of the boxes, Matt, that had to be checked when it came to picking the right TMS and, and supply chain solution? And how did you land on Turbo? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, Turbo was selected before I came into the organization, but I will say that probably the biggest reason I chose to come to Zenvistic, um from outside the industry was because of Turbo. Um, the the collaborative nature of, of the technology, um, the data side of it, but it's also really powerful in the way that the open API works with a lot of other software pieces. As we said, we probably have 15 to 20, I mean, Tech Guy probably tells me we may have more technologies API'd into that. And how we think about being a technology organization is we're here to drive the, the best efficiency we can. Obviously, we care about service. We care about delighting our customers. But we can also do this in a far more efficient manner that also reduces costs and total cost of ownership um, to our customers. And so for Turbo, what really works is, A, we have a great relationship inside of Turbo. Although they're large and have a very solid system there are still areas of conversation around where do we think the next api could come in or we really believe that if you could api into this kind of technology that would really help us move forward so we have a very open collaborative discussion with turbo how it works today the platform is incredible in itself and the amount of data that it collects and so the ability from our data team which is really Mm. one of the most important pieces behind the scenes is just exactly as the comment from the person stated. It's not just about the data. It's what are you doing with the data? How are you actioning the data? And inside of Turvo, I mean, real-time analytics, real-time financials by carrier rep, by region, by load, by customer, Mm. by everything. It's all there. And how we built the the Power BI for Stone, it was cost per case equivalent by state, by distributor, by SKU out of each manufacturing. You can pivot on one versus the other and see what was that if I would have taken that last stop out versus another stop? What would my cost have been? I mean, these are actionable pieces of data that was all there, all 100% built inside of Turbo and Turbo's ability on how to not only be able to collect the data, operate, but be able to build really strong user interface that you can get the data out of and action it. Mm. Clint, I'll get your response to some of that. Seaham says, so there are good shipper XPL relationships. <laughs> Very sarcastically. I love that. Great to have you here as always, Seaham. Well, no lack of effort, right? I mean, to assure that clearly That's right. what Matt and his team do really well is get engaged. That's right. Yep. Uh, excellent point. And Kim, great to have you. Jeff, Bob, I'll try to get y'all's comments in just a second. Clint, respond. You were sharing a couple of things in the pre-show. 
Uh, and hopefully you can share some there as Matt described, you know, what they were looking for, what, what boxes had to be checked. Any, any quick comment there, Clint? I would just say I really like John's comment about the ability to get data because we could get data all day long. Um, it was very difficult for us to turn that into something that we could we could action. Like we're looking at loads, we're looking at states and all these different pieces, but kind of how do we look at all this and make decisions or kind of gauge how are we doing? Um, to be frank, I you know I, the first time I'd heard of Turbo was from Matt. I, I hadn't heard of it before. Actually, I, should, I shouldn't say it. I'd heard of it, but I had no real familiarity with it in terms of what it could do. Yep. Uh, so I was sort of agnostic in terms of what tool that, that he used. We just talked about this is how we need to look at things. He pitched the tool and what they what they could do, and we were kind of off to the races from there. Yes. Greg, I know that really resonated with you as we were having that conversation. Yeah. Appreciate it. Technology is just a hammer, right? <laughs> I mean, it really is. You've you got to identify the problem that you need solved and, and either – Pick, select the right technology or configure the right technology to, to solve that problem. That's the only mm. use for technology is to get you to your goal. Outcome, mm. Scott, as you love to say, right? I do. I do. Mm. Actionable insights, too, is one of our favorite things to talk about here. Because what are insights if they're not actionable, right? True. Uh, Matt, I'm, I'm coming to you next in just a second. I want to reference uh, Bob's comment here. So great one here. Bob says the whole reason for success is that trust that was built up between the shipper and the provider. Create that trust up front. Great results will happen. Traditionally, the shipper does not trust the provider and the provider does not trust the shipper. I think that is so on point because Clint and Matt, for y'all to go into and talk about a bold new direction and a whole new vision, whole way of doing things, challenging long held assumptions, long way, long held ways of doing business. The trust between you and your respective teams must have been off the charts. And clearly, to get the results and, and fight through the good days and the bad days that comes with any change. Matt, let's talk about analytics. I believe both of y'all have mentioned here and certainly as part of our earlier conversations that Turvo offers the best analytics in industry. So, Matt, tell us more about Turvo's financial reporting, data, and analytics. Yeah, I mean – you know, I know a lot of different Turbo users out there, and and it still, I can say, shocks me. But how? I mean, don't get me wrong, Turbo is great from a user ability perspective. So, I mean, one thing I mean, we're talking a lot about data and analytics back and forth. I also want to be really clear that you know you got to be able to provide world class operations and service. Mm, and, execute absolutely. And I think Clint uses this example all the time. I mean, during COVID, I think we still maintain 98 or 99% fill rate during COVID where we know because we're associated with a lot of other companies, people are nowhere near that. So you have to go kind of hit on there. But the thing I, I that always fascinated me about Turvo and the reason I like it is, A, the usability operationally is great, right? You're able to, through automation, track and trace all of your loads, the backend automation on AR, AP, it all moves. But the financial side of Turbo. I mean, it's a real-time P&L. And, and for a president of an organization, that's important. I've, I've worked for Fortune 500s and worked from some larger global companies. And, you know, it takes two weeks after the end of the month to get financial closes to find out what happened on the P&L that you're already two weeks too late on. The thing I've always loved about Turbo, and it probably drives the team crazy, is you can see it in real time. I know this load, I lost $180 and this load for three weeks in a row is trended down 2% and what happened there. Mm -hmm. It allows you to go make great decisions inside of there, but you're able to hold your team accountable from a financial perspective and a service perspective. You can look at it by carrier rep, by account manager, by customer operations rep. You can see your ARAP velocity, your cash side, all in real time. And, right. you know, Last I checked, I mean, most of the brokerages are in business for profit and no better way to run a profitable organization than one that has outstanding financial controls. And the bottom line is, is Turbo by far is the best financially reported system that I've seen in terms of real time that we're making decisions in the afternoon. Many, many times that are, that are affecting later afternoon or the next morning in terms of how we're thinking about market, hmm. where we're starting to see market conditions starting to move. I don't need DAT and a lot of other <laughs> sonar to help me understand market. I can actually see it through real-time data and real-time visibility inside of our, our systems when things are starting to move and why that is, and then go make accordingly action to it. I love it. Repeatable, repeatable, repeatable. Uh, Greg, I'm coming to you next, but Kim Winter. 
So get this, a good evening from Dubai. Plenty of info to digest about Turvo. Kim, we got to get you up to speed, but uh, great to have you as always. Greg, you know, we, we've really, we, there's a lot out on the table, but I want to go back to something Matt shared at the front end of his last response about, you know, you can basically have all the data, all the technology, all the cool bells and whistles, but you still got to be able to execute mm-hmm. operationally. That really monked everything else he shared. really sends out to me. But Greg, what did you hear there from Matt's uh, focus on financial reporting, analytics, data insights? What I heard really was that, the, you know, the, to address the trust question earlier, that the trust was implied and expected. It, it wasn't foreign as it seemed from that statement, right? That, that the supplier has to trust the shipper, shipper has to trust the supplier. They just trusted one another. And mm. um, for whatever reason, right, they just assumed that the other party was trustworthy. And I think that's a huge leap. And I'm sure they did investigation and Clint, I'm sure you can tell us all about that, but I'm sure they did investigation and and check references and all that stuff. But I think the maturity of their business relationship is really a key lever here. And then the technology that they deployed allowed them to leverage that trust into execution, which continues the trust because just getting trust at the beginning was another thought I got from that comment. Um, all a valid comment, right? But I, it just made me really, really think about that component of a relationship. You have to continue that trust by continuing to execute and continuing to deliver. And I think it's interesting that saying that what this conversation has been about is about the nature of that relationship without using those specific words, right? Without using synergy or right or trust or you know any of those other kind of typical words that that you expect here. And I think that's really, really powerful. And then on yeah. the, you know, on the tech side, I think it, you know, it's everyone has experienced the situation where a technology is unable or inflexible to deliver what you need from a business standpoint. And I think what we're hearing is a story of great capability, but also incredible flexibility so that a provider like, like Zengistics can adapt the technology to the unique instance of a shipper like SDC. Clint, I want to ask you and Matt uh, a question here, but before I do anything, any comment you want to add about the trust factor, because you you were putting a lot of um, what's the phrase, uh, a lot of eggs in the same, in in one basket with what you were looking to build. What, what signif what, what really was there an early realization you had that, Hey, Man, we got some trust here. I know they can do it. Let's do it. What? Anything you can share, Clint? All I would say is uh, trust and verify <laughs> is my favorite uh, saying. You know, with all the volatility over the last five or six years um, in freight, uh, we had some challenging uh, situations with some of our carriers. Good people I worked with, and you know, good companies, but um, the trust was difficult to build, particularly when you know freight rates start going crazy. Right. And you start to kind of find things in your invoice that don't make sense, and you know, again, it comes back to the transparency piece for me. I mean, I have always, you know, like Matt and the Zengistics teams from the jump, I really like what they had to say mm-hmm. and kind of what the, they put their best foot forward. But we both agreed that, hey, we want something that we can look at on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that kind of shows that we're doing what we say we're doing, both of us, you know, both on the side and on the on the Zengistics side. So I think, you know, trust is something that's built over time. I mean, Zengistics didn't have all the stone business initially. We gave them some of the business and they continued to grow until they became the carrier for stone brewing. And that was built with you know transparency, looking at the numbers together, and and executing. So, thank you for sharing that, Clint. I think a lot of a lot of us can can um, relate to a lot of what you just shared there. Um, I want to ask you all both, and I'll start with you, Clint. Did you consider building your own proprietary software, given the, that that very specific vision that you had in your mind, Clint? So I won't go into a lot of detail, but yes, uh, I'm kind of a, a data geek. So I first attempted to do it in, in Microsoft Access, and that did not go well. Um, we then brought in a system called Click. Uh, but the challenge that we kept coming back to was we were getting data from multiple sources at multiple times. There was data integrity issues. And so the vision that we had, we just really had a hard time executing on it. And we felt collectively that, gosh, wouldn't it be nice if we had a carrier partner they could take all these different data elements, put it together for us. So I like my team to focus on executing to the numbers that they have in front of them and not spending a bunch of time in an office churning numbers and looking at data integrity. Mm. So, yeah. Matt, your, your thoughts there. Yeah, for, from us internally, I mean, obviously, you know, we license and use Turbo. So we have the option at end of contract to 
not use Turbo. That's never, of all the stuff that we're working on, that's the least of our concerns right now. That that actually works really, really well. So in terms of building our own, no. Um, in terms of, is there a better technology option that we could go out and third party that could give us what we need? You know, obviously we look at it and we take a, a look through our technology side, always moving forward on what's the right you know, technology for us. And we're pretty convinced that we, we have the right partner with Turvo and that, so we're happy where we stand. Mm. Greg, any comments there? No, I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think they pretty much nailed it. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Not something I really have an opinion on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what about uh, Clint, I'm gonna stick with you here. So uh, an executive responsible for operations, you've got to trust your logistics partner. We've, we've certainly have, have doubled down on that. Tell us why, anything else you want to add to why that's possible. And what are some of those benchmarks that you look at beyond what you've mm -hmm. shared, Clint? You know, I guess I'll, I'll circle back to transparency. Um, we have to find a way to where both, you know, the supplier and the shipper can get together and look at numbers together and understand what they mean. That to me was everything. Again, I'd had some great relationships with other companies that I'd worked with, but had a really hard time building the trust that I wanted to. And again, I'll come back to the, you know, kind of where freight has gone over the last four or five years. Right volatility in freight, what happens when, when, you know, freight rates, you know, drop or, or they go up like crazy, your partner kind of shows their cards at that point in terms of who they are and, and, and if they're willing to work with you. I mean, mm. everyone's in this to make, you know, make a buck. Uh, but at the same time, we don't have to gouge each other. And so, you know, that means a lot to me. And I was with Zengistics at a time where, the, you know, kind of some of those things came about. And then really, again, you know, measuring the service piece. I mean, we talk a lot about the, you know, the, the data and which is important. Um, but it's also really, hey, if we've got a we've got to pivot, you know, is there somebody I can call that's going to pick up the phone and understands our business? Right. That's another thing that really is frustrating. You know, Stone is not one of the bigger shippers for some of the big guys. We call them and they're like, who are you? And you're trying to, get, to explain what's going on. That's frustrating. Whereas if somebody knows, you know, who you're talking to, they know your business, they know how to help you. Um, that goes a long way. Mm. Well said, Clint. I want to bring in uh, Aaron, this Aaron's comment here. Uh, trust is built on transparency, as you're talking about, Clint. Transparency, Aaron says, is built on visibility and sharing, which is the bridge that connects to collaboration. Uh, this is the DNA of Turbo, which cultivates mutually beneficial relationships between the people moving freight and who they're moving it for. Nicely said, Aaron. It's almost poetic there, isn't it, Matt? Uh, Matt, before we move forward, yep. anything you want to comment there on what Clint shared, or Aaron, for that matter, what Clint shared around the trust, how, how you could build it, uh, some of the uh, the tougher, challenging days and how y'all work together to fight through. Anything you want to comment on there, Matt? I think about this right now when you take a look at where the, the freight market is, right? It has this knee-jerk reaction because it's always the shipper has the advantage or the carrier has the advantage. And then once one guy feels like they've gotten really screwed on one side, it flips back the other way, right? And that's just how the markets go. That's why there's no equilibrium kind of in the freight space. That's not how we built the relationship with Clint. And, and so you talk about transparency and openness. The right. beginning of COVID, we got massacred. There's no other way of saying it. Financially massacred yeah. on, on the stone business. And I went back to Clint very openly and said, I'm getting killed here. And I need help. I need help. But I guarantee I will be better than the market. But I need mm. help. And as long as you can prove that you're better than the market, I will be fair back to you. And so... Yeah, I don't have major super highs and I don't have major super lows inside the stone thing because we work to make sure that it's fair on both sides. And so we talk about data and transparency there. There's also got to be a mutual partnership of understanding that we got it. It's not in any of our best interests not to be working together. There's a lot of work that we put into this. And so how do you make that work? And so Clint and I have worked on seven different financial models over the four years or so because it ebbs and flows. And when the market is softening too much, I don't, I don't wait till the end of the quarter to come back and, and try to go do the right thing. And if something happens the other way, but it's all kind of through that side of it. So I think that's a really important piece of what great partnerships look like. In the end of the day, kind of Zengistics way that we think about the business is, yeah, we want to support customers. But my main job is obviously to try to make Clint look as good as he can, that he can mm. get promoted within the organization. Like, what keeps Clint up at night? What are the things I can solve for you? Not how do I run loads inside my business? How do we go do that? And Clint, I've been able to go build that. And the other great thing, though, is, is like Clint's kind of this Southern California <laughs> mentor, right? Like a lot of guys respect how Clint has thought about a lot of different things. And 
Um, the partnerships and the openness that he's been able to build with us and other brands and stuff yeah. really works. But at the end of the day, what I think works for us inside of our business is consider us a disruptive brand. Zenjistics, what we do. We're disrupting what traditional brokerage kind of looks like. We have a disruptive technology around Turvo. But what works really best for us is when we have the partner on the other end who is wants to disrupt. Stone came in trying to change the way that beer was done, right? Yeah. We have other beverage brands, whether it's fastest growing water brand or functional, you know, beverage brand. And we really so that really works for us. We're not the best brand, we're not the best company for everyone out there. Where we yeah. are is people who really want to go try to transform through there because we build a relationship and a partnership that really is a lot more than just moving loads and trying to roll up the PL as much as we can. It's about really trying to service and grow their, their company and mm. being the right partner through it for the long term. Well said, Matt. Uh, now, Clint, uh, Matt said, brought in the Southern California thing. I think you mentioned pre-show. Southern California, well-known for beer and biomed. Is that right? Biotech, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Biotech, that's right. And anything else you want to add about the, the Southern California aspect to how you lead businesses and supply chains? It's, it's a, a good place to be, I imagine, right? It's a good place to be. The weather's, the, the weather's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of craft beer actually across the country right now, but there's certainly a lot of craft beer uh, in Southern California and San Diego. And so it was, it was nice to, you know, be able to kind of work with other craft breweries to say, how are you all doing it? Mm. And, you know, what are some of the challenges? And I think what I found is that it was so similar in terms of the things that they were trying to struggle with. Like they don't want to ship LTL. They do want to ship, you know, multi-stop full truckload, but how do I know whether I'm getting gouged or whether I'm getting a good deal? It was just a, it was, it was just good to see that, that, you know, that everyone was struggling with the same things that we are, but it was also at the same time frustrating because I couldn't, no matter who I talked to, get an answer to, oh, hey, here's the way to do it. Right. Difficult to do. Greg, we've covered a lot of ground. I'll bring in uh, JR's comment here. Uh, JR says collaboration, learning the shipper's business and having a long-term partnership mindset are key. Well said, JR. Uh, I've got a couple more questions for Matt before we wrap, and we're going to make sure we share some resources and stuff. Greg, as you heard that on the ground with card, trust, the technology, the ability to execute, market conditions Clint was just referencing. What else sticks out in your mind here, Greg, as we work through this partnership? Well, I mean, I think that they're looking so far beyond where so many companies are. Not only are they operating, both of you are operating above where most companies operate, but you're looking beyond that even. And, um, you know, we see we see it all the time that companies talk a good game, right? Mm. You know, 85% of companies want to use technology, but 95 still use spreadsheets. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's, those are real statistics, by the way, you know, I think making the commitment to using an enabling technology to give you the visibility, the actionable insights, the transparency between partners and the ability for you each to know your business well enough to know what you can give to one another in those challenging times. That's what's really valuable because when everything's going smooth, you can almost do it on paper, but Mm. everything is almost never going smoothly. So, (laughs) right. So when there are those challenges, that's when the metrics and the capabilities and the visibility and transparency, when that all starts to pay off and those can be really, really painful times, companies profits are made or lost often in the turns, right? As we talked about with Gartner many, many times. When we're in a challenging time, when prices Mm. are rising or descending rapidly or demand is rising and descending rapidly or or even when it's just highly variable, all of those are incredibly challenging times. And to be able to identify what you can give and what you need to get, most importantly, is key to being successful in those times. So it's more than just the transparency that's shared between the partners, right? It's the, right. It's the knowledge of where you stand so you can negotiate fairly with your trading partners when times are tough. Mm. Well said, Greg. I want to bring in Seaham's uh, comment here. There are many risk management terms, now cliche, but Matt described it best, thinking about what could happen, monitoring, and having a plan. Well said there, Seaham. Okay, speaking of Matt, Matt, I'll get back to you. We're going to make sure folks know how to connect with y'all both. And we've got some resources from Turbo we're going to share in a second. But first, final couple of questions for you. Your operators, Matt, have their fingers on the pulse in the day-to-day. And you trust 
that solution that you've helped build. What specific Turbo features are you think are most important for folks to know about here? Yeah, I think first we talked about the, the financial real-time reporting of Turbo. I think if customers trying to understand, companies trying to understand their financial wherewithal by employee, by all that, that's a great one for it. The ability to API into so many different things. I mean, we, we put a lot of upfront people into our account management side, as Clint says. He has person that he calls. And if that person at two o'clock in the morning doesn't answer, then he calls me. There's someone, there's no 1-800 number. We put a lot of people around account management, but the way that we build supply chains on our carrier team, the way that our track and trace, uh, the way that our ARAP, it's almost hundred percent automated. We don't have, yeah. we literally have very little people. And so Turbo is allowing us not only through the Turbo, but the API features of that, be able to bring in the best. That's what this industry is so Weird. It's also great. There's so many like niche players who play like a certain thing inside of logistics space. I'm only going to focus on AERAP. I'm only going to focus on OCR, whatever. We've been able to build the best of breed technology, bring it in that does. I'd rather do something great mm. than to do six things okay. And so <laughs> we built a lot of technology around that. And so if you really want a very efficient organization with great transparency and great data, they, then you can export into other features, Snowflake, Power BI, or whatever for all your analytics, Turbo's as good as it gets. Mm, okay. So I'd say that's a ringing endorsement. And I love your comment there, Greg. I love this. I wanted to, wanted to one thing, absolutely great. Best in class, best in the world, rather than six things. Eh, just okay. Hedgehog concept. Right. Yep. <laughs> all right. So, Matt, quick follow-up question. Let's bring it back to Zengistics. Yep. So how does all of that that you described there help to differentiate your company from other 3PL freight providers out in the market? Yeah, I mean, I think we went through it. I, I think I'll pose it the other way, not as much as us, but from the shipper side of the business, right? I talked to salespeople and everything else. We tried to grow our business with salespeople. And it's like, yeah, it's all built on communication and service. And don't get me wrong, those are great. But the reality is, is those are table stakes, right? Like mm. the reality is, is delivering world-class service you don't hear us talk much about that on the show, but Clint will attest, we're great at what we do. We deliver world-class service. I think shippers are selling themselves short by not asking their 3PL and 4PL partners, how do you solve my most complex problems? How do you help me generate more revenue? How do you help reduce my indirect labor, my over, my SG&A overhead through planning resources or whatever else? Mm. If all you're going to do is just keep running a commodity thing and then just go out for dollars and cents on who can move it. I think shippers are selling themselves short. And I think whereas logistics has done a really good job is we've changed even the conversation. I don't really even talk. I, I've sold the sales cycle on a lot of big deals. We don't talk a lot about moving the freight because I know right. I'm going to move the freight at world-class standards. What I'm also going to do is help you generate more revenue, give you transparency into costs. We're going to work on cost drivers that we're going to be responsible to go reduce. I'm going to guarantee consolidation metrics. Like there's a bunch of stuff right now in large companies on emissions erosion. Everyone's talking about green vehicles and, and that's all the right stuff as well. Just right. ship 10% less through consolidation strategy and you've met your emissions thing. So my thing is more to kind of, I think shippers are letting the 3PLs get off too easy by just asking for service and communication where I think that the bar should be higher and the 3PLs that can hit it and deliver on world-class service and help solve customers' issues are the ones they go to. And I'm confident Zengistics is, is that partner. I really appreciate that, Matt. And Josh, I love your comment here. Amazingly insightful conversation between some folks that are clearly disrupting the status quo in a space that's ripe for it. Thanks for having these guys on. Well, thank you, Josh. I, I, I appreciate that. And I agree with you, Clint and Matt. I really uh, have enjoyed you dive into uh, your partnership the change you've been driving, and, and of course, what it's led to. So, Clint, for folks that may want to um, uh, grab beer. a beer with you yeah. or a Costco hot dog or talk about the beautiful thing that you've been building or, or, or the beautiful venue of Southern California, how can folks uh, learn more and connect with you and our friends at SCC? Sure. So uh, you can connect uh, with me on LinkedIn um, or at our website at stonedistributingalloneword.com. And if you're looking to try a stone beer somewhere near you, you can go to stonebrewing.com and click on beer finder. Um, and you can find uh, someone who's uh, selling stone beer close to you. Like that. I love, <laughs> man, we need more beer finders. Uh, that's like the beer easy button. I love that, you're right. uh, Clint. 
and Clint, really appreciate you taking, as busy as y'all both are, Clint, really appreciate you, you taking some time out and, and sharing the story behind uh, the Bold Vision and uh, what you've done and how you've done it. And that begs a question, Matt, president at Zengistics, how can folks connect with you? You've got just a little bit of passion here, yeah. which I really admire. How can folks connect with you and the Zengistics team? Sure. Zengistics.com. Go see what we're doing. Also, is I'm also out on LinkedIn as well. You can find me or matt.zimmer at zingistics.com if you want to send something direct. But I think Clint's right. I mean, reach out to Clint. He's great at uh, answering stuff. And he knows supply chain. I know for a fact I've, I've sent people his way. He will answer the call if you give him a ring. So he's a great resource to utilize for sure. <laughs> Clint, you ready? You ready to go? Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> I didn't give his phone number. <laughs> I know, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> So, Greg, I'm going to come to you for a final thought here in just a second and then one of your favorite key takeaways. But before we do that, I want to offer up. So we've talked a lot about Turbo here today. Y'all check them out. Don't just take Clint and Matt's word for it or our word for it or what have you. Uh, you can start by checking out this logistics success playbook, a great resource from our friends at Turvo. And you can also learn more at Turvo.com. So, Greg, We've heard quite a story and have really enjoyed ourselves as we have gotten to know Clint, Matt, and, and their partnership better. If folks forget everything else and remember just one thing that drives their action up as they leave this event here today, Greg, what would that be? Metrics-driven is the key. Metrics-driven allows Zengistics to have superior customer service, to provide ideas, to do collaboration, right? And, and you know, it made me think of a long time ago, I worked at a company that three years in a row got a customer service award. And in the third year, we realized that we sorry mess things up too often if we have excellent <laughs> customer service, because mm. our customer service was totally responsive. But what, what how Zengistics has transitioned is to make it preemptive. Those preemptive strikes to help avoid problems or quickly respond to disruptions in the supply chain, that's critical. Mm. And it cannot be done, cannot be done without metrics, a metric-driven strategy. You have mm. to know where you stand, where the product stands, where the customer stands, and where the market stands to be able to attack these problems and either prevent or respond rapidly to them. So metric-driven is the leverage to transparency and visibility and actionable insights and all of that. Right. You ha well, cannot manage what you do not measure. So measure mm. as much as you can. Man. And with that, I think we're spiking the football on the conversation here today. I love it. I want to say thanks once again to our panel, Clint Graflin, Vice President of yeah, Operations thanks, for STC. Clint, Clint, thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you. Of course, Clint was doing one half of the dynamic duo, was joined by the other one, Matt Zimmer, president of Zengistics. Uh, Matt, really appreciate what you've done and helping us build this story and share that, which I think is going to inspire a lot of folks uh, out in our global audience. But thanks for being here, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank thanks, you. Matt. And of course, uh, big thanks to our friends at Turvo. Big thanks to all the folks that tuned in today. I know we couldn't get to all the questions, but I bet Matt and Clint's teams, Greg, my hunch is, uh, Greg, is their teams with Mike connect with some of the comments and questions after the fact and uh, enjoy some uh, post-show conversations over a nice, cold, tasty adult beverage. That's right. But Greg, great to have you here as always. Uh, great show here today. And folks, but here's the challenge. You know, you've heard Matt and Clint tell their story. You've heard Greg call out certain components that you got to uh, pay attention to. But now that you've got all the information, Deeds, not words. You got to find something and take action and change the current status quo. Uh, that's that's our all of our call to action and responsibility. So with that said, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.